War Room the Hockey Podcast, episode 34 this week. Evan Rauer here with War Room. Uh, lots to talk about in the hockey world, like always, which I really enjoy. Um, <laughs> well, be, be, we junior, spread ourselves yeah. across the world, too. We, we do. We don't, we're not NHL-centric here. No. Of course, we pay attention, but we're developmental hockey-centric uh, in our own world, and we pay a lot of attention to junior hockey. And this that that gives us a lot of you know that gives us a lot of uh, subject material. A mm-hmm. uh, couple uh, headlines to touch on before we really get it going. Um, guy who isn't living up so far to uh, contract holdouts. Uh, five goals so far this season. Patrick Line got off to a good start. He did, but but you you like said it you said year. it last last night that. The team is starting to look good here in regards to the contract, not lining. Yeah. In regards to the two-year bridge term. Yes. Um, Nick Foligno suspended. Good kid, and, and you and I talked about that off, uh, off camera. We, good boy, uh, real, real honest player, one of the honest players in this, in this game. Uh, Just a careless, reckless Careless thing, thing didn't fight it, didn't squawk apologized, got the elbow up, and didn't really mean it. So we hope everybody's okay, but in typical Felino fashion, uh, took it like a man and owned it, and uh, he's not that kind of a player. Is Mark Shifley suspendable after hitting Francois last night? I, I wouldn't. I, I think he was going in hard and was definitely... I mean, he was he was the victim of being caught on the wrong foot, and and went in with the defenseman. Was that Johnson? Who who was with Gerard? Him? Gerard. That's right, Sam Gerard. And you know, Gerard's not a huge guy, but if you look at the if you look at the replay in slow motion, Shifley got caught up on his front foot, and he there was nothing he could do. Now he should have. He should have righted himself way before that, and maybe that's the way the league reads it. I don't know. I wouldn't suspend him, but I sure hope that uh, that Frank Sous, Frank Francois Francois Francois. That's the pronunciation. Pavel. It's not Pavel or Pavel. It's Pavel. Okay. Francois is the pronunciation. Pavel Francois. Yes. Okay. He was brought up. Got he it. was brought up, and in normal fashion, they ask him how that he likes his name pronounced, any nicknames he likes, whatever else. And he said it's Pavel Francois. So, Francois. All right. His paycheck is in English in North America, so he is Pavel Francus from now on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyway, good, a good young player and somebody I know the avalanche are high on, so I hope he, did, he wasn't hurt. Uh, he, was a, he was an absolute sitting duck back there. And and Shifley's a big boy, so yeah. But no, I would not suspend him. Hope uh, hope your goaltender is okay there, boys. So we did. We just um, as we transition. Um, first, well, first of all, as we transition, um, it's important. Always, you know, we kind of do it in an unofficial capacity, but it's always important to to reference and note. Um, War room is an extension and a part of North Paw Media. And North Paw Media and War Room works with and and 
for and alongside of Breakaway Brewing in the Okanagan Valley and in downtown Summerland. Breakaway Brewing, the finest in handcrafted beer. If you're ever in the Okanagan Valley, stop in on Victoria Road in downtown Summerland to Breakaway Brewing. Grab yourself a a pint of beer and a flatbread panini. The food is awesome. Hot dog, uh, dirty kettle chips, which is Breakaway's version of nachos, um, baked pretzels, all these types of things, as well as three televisions, um, all of which contain the Knights hockey games. If you stop in during the season and and have a beer and a bite to eat and watch a hockey game. Can so we move it along? I'm going to break away as soon as we're done. Can it's we, a good can we? it's a good environment. We also cannot forget to bring up Ryan Walter and Ryanwalter.com, a leadership guru, great friend of the show. He runs leadership retreats in the uh, British Columbia area as well as travels around with his wife, I believe, mm-hmm. um, and conducts seminars for sports teams, businesses, CEOs alike. Um, tremendous, tremendous leader. He's tremendous in the leadership community. He knows, knows how to build a team. He does it right. So Ryan Walter, ryanwalter.com, as well as our friend who provided a suite for our recording during the BCHL showcase, um, Jeff McCallum at ABK. I was thinking about Jeff McCallum and I had a marketing strategy for him, uh, last week when I had some time on my own, you know, they're in the restoration business. They do, they do fire and flood and, and uh, they have a, a hazmat division that takes away asbestos and things like that. And they do a great job. And he's a, and he's a great guy, family business, and, and they do a, uh, they're wonderful community citizens. But just remember, when things go completely to crap, think ABK. So when, when everything is caving in all around you, your first thought should be Jeff McCallum and ABK. How's that? Is that a good strategy? <laughs> there you go. You think that'll that'll win them some new uh, some new customers? We at War Room also want to say a um, happy Veterans Day and Remembrance Day. Yep. To so our, the- our brave men and women who um, for uh, Remembrance Day who have served, continue to serve, and who have sacrificed, and the same for Veterans Day. Although in the States, Veterans Day is a separate day than Memorial Day. Correct. Memorial uh, Remembrance is Day is Remembrance Day in Canada kind of encompasses all of it. Right. Uh, whereas in the States, it's Veterans Day and Memorial Day. But I do want to say that no matter the day, we should be honoring all those who not only have served but continue to serve, but who have sacrificed as well. Yeah. Even if the day is doesn't say Memorial Day, and the families so, that sacrifice because of them, it's a it's 100%. a big deal. And so on that on that note, we I do want to say, and this is all we're going to say about it because it's a touchy subject. It's right, wrong, or indifferent. It's touchy, but we at War Room here we stand with Don Cherry. Yep, that's all I'm going to say. We stand with him, and that's that's it. That's it. I mean. At the end of the day, we're with Don Cherry and his beliefs and what he values and his intentions and the context behind what he what was said. We stand with Don Cherry. Yep. He is a he is a Canadian national treasure. He not his not what he said, not the way he does things. He is a little polarizing and has been, but that's part of his personality. He is a way of life. And in the US, I just I just want to 
for anybody who doesn't know the difference, the U.S. does not, I don't, I can't think of anything, and we lived in the U.S. for quite a long time, I can't think of anything that compares to Hockey Night in Canada, where your generations, your grandfather, your grandparents, your mom and dad, your brothers, your sisters, everybody's together on, uh, gathered around the television set on Saturday night watching Hockey Night, and Don Cherry's been part of that for 38 years. He's an icon. He's one of the one of the great Canadians of all time, and and uh, you know he's just he deserved better. We do support him. We stand with him, and that's uh, that's enough. You know that's all we need to all we need to be understood as. Uh, Don uh, Cherry, doubtful at this point that you listen to us, but we stand with you. Yeah, we're with Don Cherry here at War Room. I, I want to say too on the subject of Remembrance Day uh, that. Summerland, BC, a small community, has one of the amazing Remembrance Day celebrations, probably this side of Ottawa. It, it, I, I am amazed every year at the turnout. Thousands of people, they come from all over the area, not just here in town. Uh, kids, hundreds and hundreds of kids, minor hockey, the steam was there. Businesses are represented, the government is represented. They're just simply the town grinds to a halt as it should, and the the turnout is spectacular, and it's a tremendous hour to hour and a half ceremony, and uh, and so well attended, and I love to see kids growing up with the tradition of paying respect from the bottom of your heart to veterans and the families of veterans, and especially those who have fallen. Well, it's been a long debate here in Canada. Uh, for many years now, what if uh, um, whether to make Remembrance Day a national holiday, meaning kids don't go to school, right, and all that stuff, and because I, there's kids still going to school on that day, so it's not a, and so there's been a long debate about it, um, and not all the provinces recognize it the same way. I don't think Ontario, I don't believe it's a stat holiday in Ontario. It is here, so everything is closed down. At least in our area, everything is closed down. Well, they conduct on t- television the um, wreath ceremony in Ottawa yeah. with the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and, and all these things. And there's a lot of people and there's a lot of kids who whose teachers take them out of school as a field trip, right? A field trip down to the parade and down to the cere- the festivities and everything. So at least in that regard, that's a positive on that part. Oh, absolutely. Um, but. Um, it's been a long debate in, in at least parts of Canada anyway, whether or not to make, make it a day where people are off work, kids are off school and, and all that stuff. Um, but you should wear, buy, if you're in Canada, buy a poppy at this time of year, always buy, buy a poppy and make sure uh, you wear it every place. Friend of the friend of the podcast as well. Um, podcast was started after he, after he was gone, but a friend of the podcast Eight years uh, since our friend Cody passed. Yep. Amazing. Eight, eight years. Um, I still remember the idea of afterwards, after he passed, of uh, that his dad um, said at the memorial, I believe it was, um, trying to live life all in. Those, those words, all in, and you, you can... Define it how you want to. You can use all in in the context you choose, um, but to live life all in, that's how Cody definitely lived his life. Was he sure did. All in. Um, plenty of memories. Uh, my best friend and 
a brother and miss him every day. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think about him, at least in some capacity. I got his picture on my um, mantle at home and and everything. So, um, Cody, we we love you. We miss you. um, And we think about you every day. So moving on, uh, one last note, though, and I said this to you um, yesterday, I believe it was. Ilya Kovalchuk done with the LA Kings. <laughs> he is allowed to, I just saw, I just saw it. He is allowed to practice. He's allowed to practice, but for the foreseeable future, he is no longer playing for the LA Kings. That, that was, that will go down alongside the new recipe Coca-Cola 25 years ago as one of the greatest debacles failed experiments of our time not i have a lot of respect for rob blake and and the uh, the franchise but i don't know what they were thinking there dave tippett has the oilers playing at least to start the year uh 12 6 and 2 record 26 points first in the pacific and um right behind them Still early, but right behind them, Tockett has the Coyotes playing some solid hockey. They play so hard for him, and and I, it's just a, it's one of those things I you can't. There's no analytic for it. It's what the Hurricanes did for Rod Brindamore last year. The Coyotes play their hearts out for Rick Tockett. They do not have, they do not have the talent to to be in the upper tier of that of that conference. But there they are, and they're doing it on heart, just like he did. Real quick, hit the pause button if you're listening. Subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And while it's paused, head over to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. War Room the Hockey Podcast, at War Room the Hockey Podcast, and at War Hockey. And make sure you follow, like, and subscribe. Leave comments, leave reviews, ask questions. We love the participation. So make sure you get over there and... and and act on those things. Make sure you follow us. We post daily on social media. That's where you're going to get news outside of the weekly episodes. So make sure you are following us on social media platforms and subscribed. Rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm old and I have no idea what he said, but do that, whatever it is. Junior Hockey... A lot to talk in junior hockey. Tons this, going on. Um, the hockey, the Canada-Russia series. Yep. The uh, U-17 hockey challenge. Yep. And we are coming right up on World Junior Camp. And we just, we are coming right up on World Junior Camp, but we also just, um, this past week, got to see the uh, Victoria Royals and Kelowna Rockets play in person. Yep. Uh, Victoria walked away with a win in that one. Uh, six to three, I believe, was the final, if I remember correctly. Um, Kelowna did not look like a Memorial Cup contending team, which is unfortunate considering Since they're the they're hosting. Yeah. Um, I, anybody can have an off night, and I hope they did. I hope they're going to. I hope they're going to stage a rally uh, in the spring because you you always want to be able to compete when you're hosting, and I, and you know obviously that's what they're that's what they've been trying to do. Uh, making the roster changes that they have. I hope they had an off night because they just did not look 
Yeeks, I, I want to say for big chunks of that game, they did not look interested. And, and they looked like they, they were just a, simply a step behind Victoria most of the night. Uh, in particular, one thing that, that I kept going back and forth on, and, I'm, and you know, as we always talk about player evaluation, player development, it's an extremely inexact science. Scouting is a very inexact science. But Nolan Foote, uh, brother of Cal Foote, both of them first-round draft picks uh, from Tampa Bay, sons of Adam Foote, great, great NHLer for a long time, a fantastic guy. Uh, Nolan Foote has not had uh, he had a he had a great World Junior Showcase in the summer. Uh, he was a standout in that tournament against the best, playing with the best and against the best. He, he did not have a good night uh, against Victoria. I think he had an assist, but it. it it made me wonder. You you always want to wonder how much extra, how much extra opportunity a guy like that gets because he's Nolan Foot. Now, temper this with the fact that, first of all, his dad would not play him on the top line. He would not be centering the top line if he didn't deserve it because that's not the kind of guy his dad is. Adam Foot does not need to. Uh, run favorites. his stock value up because he's already been a first-round draft pick from Tampa. Mm -hmm. By the way, Tampa drafts as well or better than anyone in the NHL, so they're not going to blow a first-round pick on a guy just because he's Adam Foote's son. Mm -hmm. So all those things considered, it makes you wonder, though, when you look around, and and we see, we've seen him play several times this year, um, Scott Niedermeyer's boy, Jackson. Good player holds a holds a spot uh, playing for Penticton, but if that kid's name was anything but Niedermeyer, would he be? Uh, like we'll never know because it's not. But how much how much extra space does he get? I saw it. I think I think those types of things are unfortunately a part of the game, whether we like it or not. I think though, I don't think it happens as much as maybe we think it does. Um, I think Jackson Niedermeyer holds a spot on the V's for a reason. I think Fred oh, Harbinson, solid. Yep. Fred Harbinson is that type of guy that Absolutely. he wouldn't have Jackson there if there wasn't a reason for it. Um, do I think he's a standout player even in the BCHL? No, um, but there's a reason he's there. There's a reason why Nolan Foote is the captain of the of the Kelowna Rockets. There's a reason why he's the first line center. There's a reason why he gets all the minutes and. It's not romantic, I guess, you know, for the sake of headlines to say that, you know, he's earned it and it's not his dad putting him out there. No, but no, he Nolan Foote is is there for a reason. And it's because he's a f first round draft pick. And quite frankly, after watching them play and maybe it was a one off, but quite frankly, assist or not, Nolan Foote's the best player out there for the Rockets, at least right now. Agreed. And at that point, you know, Nolan Foot is going to get the ice time because he's the one. He's the one that he's the one that stands out above the rest. Whether he stands out or not is is another whole other point. But he stands out amongst the rest anyway as the best yeah. player, and so he's going to get the minutes. And, and remember too, when and this is the the point that we always try to make here. You're as a as a junior coach or minor hockey coach. 
Bantam Midget, Triple A, Junior A, Major Junior, Minor Leagues, even into the NHL, you are in the player development business. Yes, you need to win, and especially in the show, you get paid to win and you lose your job if you don't, but you are in the business to develop players. We're not, nobody, nobody will care five years from now what kind of a November Nolan Foote had when he was 19 years old. Nobody, nobody cares. So what we're talking about is trying to make, trying to create a guy who is a standout in the NHL at 25. That's what we care about, not not where he is today. So that being said, his upside is what everybody's playing for right now, uh, and and it's the same with everybody. So he's gonna he'll be in the World Junior Championship, uh, he'll be in the minor leagues next year in the Tampa system, and I'm sure he's going to be just fine. But it just and I'm not sing, singling him out because I have a lot of respect for him and his family and where they are, where they've been, and where they're going. Uh, it just made me think in general mm-hmm. of all the legacy players that we see. Well, and Jackson Niedermeyer's not the only one. No, you no, see no, no. Danny Waite. Yeah. Um, amongst others. So in the, um, in the 80s, I saw firsthand, I saw Brett Hull, who was uh, obviously the son of Hall of Famer Bobby Hull. He, and man, when he was at Minnesota Duluth, he and, and his first year or two uh, in, in the minor leagues and trying to make a paycheck. He had a reputation of being 20 pounds overweight, slow, uninterested, um, out of shape. I mean, he, he really struggled. And 700 goals later, he's in the Hall of Fame. So it's not, it's not like a guy can't find his way. Did he get a couple of extra looks and maybe an extra couple of months or even a season to get his act together because he was, his last name was Hull? Maybe so. We, uh, we don't know. I also saw firsthand, and I won't carry on about this too much, but when a, when a GM spends a first, first or second round draft pick on a guy, the coach is, at least back then, the coach was tasked with making something out of it. If you, if you park my guy in the East Coast League or park him in the, in the press box, you're going to make me look bad. Play him play him on the top line, give him some power play time, make something of this guy. I put my, you know, I put my reputation out there with a first round pick, do something with him. And up to the point where it's costing the team, make something of this guy. So top round picks uh, get a little bit, or used to anyway, get quite a lot of extra room to move, so to speak. But Well, personally, personally, we are, we are about, Today's the 13th. We're about, uh, as of this recording, I mean, it, it were, it's the 13th. So I'm going to say we're maybe seven weeks, eight weeks from Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> well, a, well like we're at the, the quarter year, pole. The year the has gone fast. Yeah. Um, we're already a month into the NHL season. We are now how many weeks away from the World Junior tournament yeah, it starts at christmas so yeah it's and we're at the, we're roughly at the quarter pole all so the way it's, across it's coming fast yeah so which is a good sign hey uh you you mentioned one of the boys that we saw at the bchl showcase that had just signed with uh nebraska omaha yes uh plays for powell river um i want to make sh- i want to make sure i have his name right so i'm gonna <laughs> 
Um, you leave that to me. Leave the pronunciations to so me. Let me would pull you? up my fancy um, social media machine here and pull up the um, interweb. Are you yeah. still using the interweb? Is that a thing? Pull up Instagram at War Room the Hockey Podcast. Go follow. Um, and pull up Powell River. Kid plays for Powell River in the BCHL. Um, sorry for the long pause here, but let me just pull it up. Um, yes. Let's see. Let's see. Michael Michael Abgrawl. Yeah, Michael Abgrawl. I had it right. He just turned. He was 15 when we at the BCHL Showcase Festival. He just turned 16, and he just committed to NCAA Division One hockey uh, for Nebraska Omaha. So, congrats uh, to him. He's uh, born in 03, Yep. So he just turned 16. I got a. I'm, I'm going to do this. In, in front of all of our legions of fans, I'm going to bet you a pint of breakaway beer that he never makes it to Nebraska-Omaha. He'll go to the CHL or he will bounce directly into making a, pro, making a professional paycheck before he ever gets to Nebraska-Omaha. Well, you heard that first. I guess we'll see what happens. Um Hey, speaking. Of I think, but I, I, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna give credit to him com- following through on his commitment because there's something to be said for the growth that college hockey is having. Oh yeah. In the development process and and the type of pr- athletes and men and professional athletes they cre- they're creating and that they're developing and the numbers are increasing for the for the players that go from division one hockey to the NHL. And I, th- I think the NCAA doesn't get ne- the necessary credit it deserves in the hockey circles in regards to that. Everybody talks about the CHL. Everybody talks about the, the CJHL as a junior a development league, but there's not a lot of credit, at least outside of the States anyway, given to NCAA hockey. And I think it deserves some credit because it's growing and it's it's producing it, and it so it gives a it gives a top prospect a place to develop for maybe a year, uh, maybe you know the, the a, a Kale McCarr type of guy that we refer to quite a lot, um, and it gives a guy who needs a little bit more seasoning a place to percolate for three or four years mm-hmm. and then come out as a twenty five year old fully grown adult and and uh, and uh, you know, with an education, in addition to being somebody that is now a very low risk to his uh, to whoever drafted him. Yeah. So, in, ter- in regards to to Michael Abgrawl or Finley Williams out of Prince George, um, is it possible that they go to the CHL to the WHL? Absolutely. Yes. Could yes. Yeah. Like Finley Williams out of Prince George, his rights belong to Swift Current. Could we see him here? pull his commitment from from university and NCAA for sure at University of Michigan and go play in the WHL absolutely same with Michael Abgirl same with any of them really but the option is there the option them. is there yeah. and it's not as it's not a 90 90% guarantee the way it might have been it's the, it's, it's how it's your cha- development path it's changing and it's your your choice and it's your development path so yep. um the point is, congratulations to him at 16 for committing to to play Division One hockey 
And if his rights don't belong to somebody already, they will in the the WHL. So congrats to him. So it's a big deal. So uh, have you been watching, moving along in the junior hockey world, have you been watching any of the um, CIBC Canada-Russia series? I've caught a few moments, but I haven't, unfortunately... Um, and you know, you're, hate you're just to not as this. committed as I, hate I to, am, are you? <laughs> hate to admit this, but unfortunately, I just haven't sat down and seen a I'm full gonna, game of it yet. But I've seen moments. I'm going to chalk that up to a lack of commitment. What it really means is you have a lot more going on than I do, and yes. your, your social life is a lot better than mine. So mine is generally watching hockey games, uh, but I'll call it lack of commitment. Makes me feel better. Uh, anyway, the they split in the queue. They split in uh, the Ontario League, uh, and now we open tonight, as of this airing, uh, Wednesday the 23rd, we open tonight in the WHL, and all tied in points. Wednesday the 13th, folks, not the 23rd. Get ahead of myself. Uh, Evan Rauer here with Warren the Hockey Podcast (laughs) is is training to be a firefighter. Um, oh, yeah. As part of his day job. And that is the 23rd. So don't make me nervous gotcha. about the I fact that I'm sitting here with you on a cat on a couch in a studio recording <laughs> in our studio and not at the station testing and preparing for for my employment. There's the time for that. So there's t- I, I, 13th, I thought when you when 13th. You, good. Good on you. I thought you were going to launch into what my mental and emotional makeup because I can't keep the days and dates and everything straight. But thank you for not venturing there. I don't, you know me, I'm not one to give you a hard time. (laughs) So, you know, Oh, I need a cough button. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, anyway. So back to the CIBC, uh, series, um, some standouts from, uh, of course, uh, Alexi Lafreniere did not get to play in the uh, in the QMJHL series. Uh, top top rated guy in all of junior hockey. Top rated guy in the in the upcoming draft. Uh, Raphael Lavoie had a good um, had a good series uh, or a good two games anyway. Dawson Mercer from uh, from Newfoundland. Uh, Jacob Pelletier from uh, Quebec City. Another Lavoie was uh, Oilers draft pick. He was the Correct. kid who was just drafted. Yeah. But they they played well and I got to say there's there's two things at work here after having seen them play four games this year this in this series and playing two more uh, tonight and um, and Friday. The the game has changed as we talk about a lot. So the old North American style the old straight up and down the wing crash and bang and throw elbows and fling bodies and and intimidate that has taken a step backward at the same time the european game which the russians represent very well has taken a step forward they play a little bit more of an honest straightforward game the the from 10 years ago, uh, they they were much easier, I think, at that time, 10, 12, 15 years ago, to push around. It's not that way anymore. You can't do it based on IIHF rules, or anybody's rules for that matter. And they're playing a more straightforward game, an honest game where, you know, guys drive the net and forecheck and bang and, and you know, don't avoid checks the way they used to. So uh, as much as I complain about the direction of the game, hats off to... 
hats off to the Swedish and, and Finn and Russians for, uh, for picking that up. So now we're off to, uh, we, we saw them play in the Ontario League. Um, that was another split. So they, they, you know, as we said, the points are tied. Uh, Noel, Sir, uh, Saran Noel, great series. Um, some of these guys, uh, Connor McMichael has been fantastic. These guys are really putting themselves in position. Uh, this is a junior, world junior aud audition here. For the World Junior Tournament, yeah. yeah. This is a this is the final. You know, guys are going to play their way onto or off of that that uh, invitation to camp. But Liam Foodie, Phil Tomasino, uh, really tied to Landria. I, I don't think hardly lost a face off in in the two games uh, against the, in between uh, Russia and the OHL. Um, Quentin Byfield supposed to be one of the top. Two or three. Well, picks. you say supposed to be. Has he really stood out though? He has because there's a, talk. There's talk in his scouting and things that okay, he's a high rank prospect, but there's just things about his game that may lead to him being next year's the drafts in Montreal, um, being next year's prospect that kind of falls down the down down a bit throughout the round. There are guys who have him right at the heels of. Lafreniere for number one, and I like uh, I like Quentin Byfield's game. He's a big body. He's really really smart. He's got a he's got a tremendous hockey IQ, and he knows how to use his body position. He does it very very well. The only question I have about him is his foot speed, and on one hand he makes himself look faster because he reads the play well and he's always in good position on the other hand when he makes the jump to if he were to make the jump to uh pro next year everybody does it so is he going to have the foot speed to keep up or does he need to grow into that into that big frame of his uh, which i don't think he's a high risk pick at all is he a number two? Is he a number five or seven? I, I that's depending depends on the scouting staff, but he's going to be a good player. There's no question about it. But it's just it's that foot speed it is, and we saw like uh, let's say Nick Ritchie, same kind of player. Um, well, see where he goes. I mean, it's not over for any of those guys yet. But there's a there's a kid that uh, we talked about last night, Jamie Drysdale that is a an absolute standout on defense in the OHL and it's because of his feet and I I hate to don't say hate I I'm I'm reluctant to make comparisons but I'm telling you he looks like a 17 year old Kale McCarr he's 5'11 170 he's going to grow he's going to grow at least stronger but his foot speed and and the way he uses edges and changes direction, uh, this guy has got some magic feet, and he is going to be a really really good pro wherever he ends up. Watch for the name Jamie Drysdale in the upcoming draft because he is special because of his skating ability. He's fantastic. I just I I can't help thinking of him as a as a Macar as a teenage Kale Macar. You don't like to compare because 
kids grow and they become their own players. But oh, sure. um, early on, it's for the it, sake of illustration. Yeah, like uh, that's absolutely. a. You always make the comparison just so that you know what this guy might look like. You know, if you haven't seen him play, you can project backward from Makar. Anyway, uh, WHL opens tonight, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun because they're tied, and it's it's really I, I gotta. There's a uh, there's a handful of the Russians too that are really really they're going to be exciting and um, maybe the one that that keeps coming back for me is uh, is Pod Colson for the um, first round pick from Vancouver. It, it just Vasily Pod Colson plays a plays a big style North American game for a not a real big guy. He's six feet tall, but he's um, plays in traffic well and he looks good he's uh, and there's more of them um maxim sorkin having a really really good series these guys are going to be uh these guys are going to be tough in the world juniors and and i think all of them will be there but what makes the world junior tournament fun now that um more countries are are starting to compete a little bit yeah well, you got Sweden, Finland. Switzerland is, it puts on a good show every year. Somebody and, every year. Uh, Finland is, is always kind of always has been, but is definitely kind of stepping up into being a favorite every year, if not a contender. Same with Sweden, uh, Russia. It depends on who makes the tournament, but Kazakhstan put on a show last year and really fought for it. Um, even some of the relegation teams, like Relegate, every, every uh, once in a while, you yeah. see Denmark or Denmark Germany play, or Denmark somebody battles well. Um, so it's it makes the tournament fun to where you're you're not coming in, and unfortunately, unfortunately, it's part of the issue with the women's game is that, and it's growing, but unfortunately, the eyes and the eyes and ears only really tune in for the U.S. and Canada in the women's game. Otherwise. In the C- CWHL and the NWHL and in these different things, they don't, just don't get the eyeballs. And not to go down that rabbit hole, we've already discussed it, but they just don't get the eyeballs. Whereas with the men, you know, with the guys, you know, the U.S. and Canada is always a great game to watch every New Year's Eve or whenever they play. But m- more of the countries compete and put on a show and really stand out. And it makes the entire tournament fun rather than rather than one day of of the tournament to look forward to. So it 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 makes it good hockey and it makes it fun to watch. So. The the development of that women's game is coming. Uh, and ignore Finland at your own peril because they um, they're going to be you know they're going to be right with the U.S. and Canada from now on. Uh, as probably will be Sweden and then Russia, and uh, and that's good for the game. Uh, but it just takes a while. I mean, it, nothing happens overnight. Look how long it took minor hockey to start developing bona fide players in places like Southern California or Texas or you know some of the newer markets. Now you're seeing guys drafted out of uh, areas that a generation ago didn't produce, didn't even have minor hockey for the most part. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, we covered we covered junior hockey. Uh, World Junior Tournament uh, starts the twenty sixth, which is Boxing Day, correct? Yeah. And um, exactly, it goes through the new year and everything. So that's something to look forward to. It's always fun every year. Um, if you if you're in, listening in our in our household, it's split. It's always been split. <laughs> um, my wife being a 
proud Canadian and her husband being a proud American um, makes that rivalry and that game always interesting. Um, but it's fun nonetheless, no matter who you cheer for. It's it's fun hockey. It's the future of the game playing um, in one area, you know, against each other. And so it's it's always something to look forward to. That so. World Junior Tournament, honestly, for, for most of my life, that has been my favorite tournament. I, I love developmental hockey. Junior hockey is my favorite favorite time in a player's life and that tournament really took hold in the mid 80s and became such a such a staple in everybody's household on starting boxing day the you know everything just stopped you have your afternoon pond hockey game with the family and then you settle down for the world junior start and then there's u.s canada usually on on New Year's Eve, Russia, Canada has been a great rivalry. And these are all the kids that you see five years later are stars in the NHL and people who have not had the opportunity or the incentive to watch this tournament go, where did this guy come from? I never heard of this kid. Well, these are the guys we're talking about here on the show every week. They are, and they are, they play with passion. They play with heart. They play for their country and they are they're bona fide players. They are stars in the making. And if you're if you're listening from Canada, you get all this, and you've seen it, uh, you know, every year. If you're someplace where you have not been exposed to the World Junior Championship, find it, find it online, or find it in on your cable package or your satellite dish. Watch the World Junior Championship. It starts on Boxing Day and runs through the first part of uh, January. It is spectacular hockey. It really is. Any. F- um, early prediction, very early, early prediction favorite going into the tournament. You know, it's easy to pick the states or Canada, but any early prediction favorite? I Canada's going to have an extremely good team. I haven't seen a lot of real, uh, I haven't seen with Finland and Sweden what we've seen in, from them in years past yet. I like Russia based on what what I've seen of them in the World Junior Showcase in the summer and in the CIBC tournament, uh, especially their goaltending is sturdy. I think Russia is a very sound team. If I'm going to pick, I say it's a Russia-Canada final and another, another beauty rivalry uh, with those two teams if that happens. That's just my... You asked. That's my pick. <laughs> I did ask. <laughs> I see you conveniently left out the states, though. No, if I, I want to be picky in that. Listen, they they threw they threw a dozen top draft picks out last year uh, from that development team, and uh, I you can't do it every year. So this no. is just one of those years where the talent and the development doesn't look like it's up to that par. Certainly, yep. absolutely. Anything we want, anything we need to touch on before we kind of close things out this this week? Um, We've had a good discussion. Uh, We wanted it to be this way this week, uh, junior hockey, as we uh, lead into um, the World Junior Tournament, as well as um, the upcoming this spring, the upcoming Memorial Cup in Kelowna. So we wanted to touch on that on purpose. Um, yeah, we'll be, we'll be so talking about that quite a lot. We will be. Um, but anything either along those lines or anything else outside of that, that we wanted to, that we want to, um, at least mention before we close out this week. 
Well, we saw uh, over dinner last night, we saw the Jets and Colorado play, right? We did, yep. I got to I gotta tip my hat. Uh, you know, we talk about a lot about the the power forward game, the, the Josh Andersons, the Nick Foligno, uh, Tom Wilson, Ryan Reeves, guys like that. There's a guy that, that I've, I'm completely embarrassed to admit that I've left off that list for the last several months, and that's Adam Lowry in Winnipeg. This kid, he, he fought Ryan Reeves last week. Um, he throws in uh, 10 or 12 goals a year. He bangs, he four checks. He's huge. Uh, he plays with a tremendous amount of heart, and that's a kid I'll put him on my team every day. So when you know you, you talk about finding those gems in the draft that can open up space for your smaller players and keep people honest, add Adam Lowry to the top of that list. I gotta gotta tip my hat to that guy. I love that kid a lot. The other thing that that in that game that stood out to me and and you know you you know one of which we already discussed which was Shifley running into Franco yeah and and we'll see how um how he is after that hit uh and if there's any discipline for Shifley probably first offense I'm I'm guessing not but anyway uh Makar just ate Yannick Perot up last night scored two goals one goal last night yeah. oh two just one I thought he had two two goals against uh the other night oh okay okay um, Against uh, it was McKinnon had two last McKinnon night. McKinnon had two. So here's a guy that loses his left winger and his right winger, and or well, Landy plays center on that line, right? Land, no, McKinnon does. Oh, McKinnon does. McKinnon's okay. the center. Okay. Um, so McKinnon um, loses his loses two thirds of that line. So he loses um, Landeskog, who has a broken foot. He's out indefinitely. McKinnon is um, uncontrollable. Rantanen is, is now skating, which is a positive for the Avalanche. He's now back to skating, so he's getting closer. Um, but they lost uh, Rantanen uh, for at least four to six weeks, which I guess in terms of hockey is indefinitely. Um, their Zadorov is out with a broken jaw. Wilson, Wilson is out indefinitely. Um, Pierre-Edouard Bellamar concussion protocol after yep. the Felino incident, which we discussed earlier, which we mentioned earlier, he's out. Um, and now Grubauer, the Grubauer <laughs> was listed week to week. He's their number one goaltender. He's just been, was upgraded to day to day as of yesterday, but he's their starting goaltender. He's out. Pavel Francois is their backup. He plays solid. He's knocked out last night. What about Pavel Francouz? Is he okay? <laughs> So what ends up happening is now you've got a lineup that, for all intents and purposes, and this is why Joe Sackick went out and made the moves he made in the offseason and brought in the depth that he did. Because for all intents and purposes, this is a very banged-up, depleted lineup only 20 games in. Yeah. Only 20 games in, and yet they continue to win. Francois is knocked out 30 seconds into the first period last night. Okay, hadn't hadn't faced a shot. Shifley ran into him. Say what you will about whether or not Shifley could have stopped or whatever. He's knocked out of the game. So they have to bring in an emergency backup, a Winnipeg native, who is a ho- who is a hockey goaltending coach in the Winnipeg area. He sat in an Avalanche uniform as your emergency backup and your third string goaltender who has had yet to see any NHL action in Adam Warner from Sweden 
tr- playing tremendously for the Colorado Eagles. Pitched a yet, 40 save shadow. He, he, he had yet to see any NHL action. And the Avs put up four. And Adam Werner, 40 save shutout. Now, he'll, he and Francois won't get a shutout on the stat line. I don't know. I'm not... I'm kind of ashamed to admit that I'm not f- sure how that works, but doesn't matter. <laughs> 40 save shutout over the Winnipeg Jets for Adam Warner, who that was his first action and not just his first action, but he was baptism by fire where the starter goes down and now he's got to come in yep. cold and he somehow did manage to not shutout. swallow his tongue and so, threw, went out and made 40 saves in Winnipeg, shut him out. That team dominated the Jets, who are a formidable team, have been for years. They pushed them around in their own building, beat them 4 nothing, 4 nothing, and did so missing, what, six of their top guys? Maybe six seven. of their starters, yeah. yeah. And so hats off to Jared Bednar, the rest of that team, for going out and fighting their brains out despite where they started the season or where they were on the depth chart, they just play hard. And it tells you this is a game of emotion. It's like you talked about at the top of the show about Rick Tockett and how hard the Coyotes play for him. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much skill you have. How much heart you put out there on the ice every night is what makes the difference. It's why Toronto's struggling with all that talent. Colorado is winning with missing all that talent. So it just Colorado does not give get the credit they deserve from your supposed yeah. experts on TSN or Sportsnet or anywhere like it's, that. They do, they just don't. No. They've either got either negative things to say about them if they say anything about them at all. They do not get the credit they deserve. They continue even to this day as we speak get talked about as being a team that lacks depth and is a one-line team, and that's just false. If you're surprised by the way the Colorado Avalanche are playing, you're not paying attention. Exactly. If you were shocked by that. Congratulations as well. We're we're discussing Colorado. Congratulations to Jared Bednar, who is is being inducted into the Saskatchewan Hockey Hall of Fame. 100%. Um, he hosts. A, he hosts. He's hosting a charity uh, fundraising golf tournament with the Humboldt Broncos right. uh, this year, and he is a one of the inductees into the into the Saskatchewan uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, so congratulations to him. He has very quietly become one of the best coaches in the game. Mm-hmm. He took over. He took and over an a, abysmal situation years ago. Patrick Waugh. St- just leaves fifth about two weeks before training camp. He steps in. He has a 48 point year with the team. Therefore, un- unjustifiably takes criticism for that 48 point year. And but here's what he's done since that 48 point year. Since he's had off seasons and time to develop, the Avs make the playoffs in 17 18 take a formidable Nashville Predators team to six games in the second round bounce the next year next year they 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 make the playoffs again two years in a row they bounce the Calgary Flames in five they take San Jose to seven and he has he is 
Jared Bednar is another one of those individuals in terms of the Colorado Avalanche that does not get the credit he deserves because every year since he's come in, when the discussion comes up about who the coach of the year is, he is conveniently never a part of the discussion by anybody. It's just, um, even the media is pretty open about this. The media is all in the Eastern time zone. They just don't see, I mean, who who in Toronto or New York is awake at 3 o'clock in the morning to see the end of a double overtime game between San Jose and the Kings? Nobody. The Avalanche play out west. They don't get as much, they just don't get as much attention. And that's why they, you know, in some circles, they're going to sneak up on people. They're going to sneak up on fans. There's nobody in the league that gets gets an NHL paycheck in any regard at any level of administration or or player that is shocked by the way the Avalanche play. Everybody knows when they're on the calendar. Well, but the fans don't, I mean, fans and a lot of the media, because of the media, the fans don't know as much about them as they should. Anything can happen. You never know. But they keep this up. Can you imagine what their season will, will finish like and what they will look like going into the playoffs once they have Rantanen, Landeskog, Wilson, Zadorov, Grubauer, and Francois, all healthy and all in the lineup. And, and Belmar, can't forget about Belmar. Belmar and, and Makar with another them, 50 games under him. You have all them healthy. Can you? It's just wild to think about if things continue the way they're going, what this team can do and will look like come playoff time let alone next year or the year after with all these guys healthy. And then and, Timmons comes and along. In the, and in the lineup and, and producing. And Byram. I mean, this is... They were, listen, they were, I know you, they don't get enough, um, uh, they don't get enough press to satisfy a lot of Colorado Avalanche fans, but they were um, the lowest odds in Vegas, I believe. They and Tampa at the start of the year were the lowest odds in Vegas to win the cup. And you see how much that gets you, but... Mm-hmm. And this is the difference between talent and execution. This is, you know, these are these are teams that you really have to go. You have to go a hundred percent. You have to play sixty full minutes against these guys, and you know I follow the Maple Leafs. This I they just aggravate the heck out of me. They just don't, they if they had the heart to play with that. Phoenix Coyotes, the Avalanche, and some of the teams that don't get as much press, they would be, you know, they'd be a 120 point team because they've got the talent. But well, it, it give you give you credit, you give credit to to Colorado's um, minor league system and what they're doing to prepare to prepare these prospects and their scouting staff. Because hey, tomorrow Colorado plays the Edmonton Oilers. Adam Werner made shit the bed and <laughs> may prove to be why he's the third string guy who knows but the point is at least as we're speaking at this moment the Colorado Eagles are doing tremendous things with the depth and the prospects that Joe Sackick has accumulated to prepare Adam Werner for example for the position he was in last night to come in cold and pitch a 40-save shutout, whether the shutout is included in the stat line or not, a 40-save shutout against the Winnipeg Jets on short notice coming in cold. So 
hats off to not only to the coaching staff and management and everybody in Loveland for what they're doing with the Eagles and the prospects there to prepare them for the, for pro hockey and yep. to prepare them for these situations. That's so why you play again, the game. Tremendous job. It good for them for for getting a uh, an AHL team just up the road rather than in Texas or anywhere. First of all, and second of all, for surrounding yourself with the right people that can do these types of things. So hats off to the entire organization and everything from Avalanche down to the Eagles, down to the Utah Grizzlies in the coast. I mean, hats the, off. So good for them. The um, uh, final note on that, after the last CBA and the salary cap and the restructuring of, of the way, you know, the way the the league administrates itself and its rosters, we said amongst ourselves, as did most everybody, that it was going to be a, a, a scouting and development world, that they're going to be the superstars, there's going to be the Crosbys in the world, but the, the real meat and potatoes, the winners, were going to be built on people who get tons of mileage out of their entry-level guys. They scout best they draft best and they develop best so that their bottom their first contract guys the the young players really contribute you're going to get the you're going to get the production out of the big names you know Kane and Taves but you've got to get that production out of the lower guys uh, and the new guys and and so you're seeing you're seeing that in spades in Colorado uh, it's a prime example of how to build they they draft well they develop well and it, it allows you to manage the cap. There's no cap to manage when you've got a, you've got eight guys on entry level deals that are that are driving your force. Well, I, not I, just that, but if you then handle easy. the contracts the right way and offset them, so you yeah, re-sign, you sign McKinnon you to re-sign, a long term six million dollar yeah, deal. You sign Sam Gerard to a seven year extension. Yeah, when you did bingo, and then now you've you've got contracts that are going to come up offsetting each other. So McCarr will come up. And a different year and a different time than Landeskog will, who will come up at a different time than Bowen Byram, who will come up at a different time than this guy. So now you can, when the time comes, you have the flexibility to sign the necessary contract and the necessary player without it hitting your cap in a big way that a lot of teams face because you're doing it the right way. Yep. So now you can afford to give Miko Rantanen his $9.25 million at six years, knowing very well that he'll be in a six-year contract when McKinnon comes up and McKinnon gets his 12-something million, and then he'll get his 12-something million at a different time than when Landeskog comes up and he needs his $7 million or whatever he gets. So... It, it's exactly it's, right. And, and Joe Sackett got a lot of criticism early on for how he did things. He got for criticized pap- for, for the papering mo- over things with, with, and nothing against the guy. I love Jerome Aginla, but papering over the obvious holes in your lineup with Aginla and with Boschman and all these guys. And a lot of criticism for, for either pulling the trigger on trades and deals that were just not right and, or being too patient and just sitting on your hands when something needed to be done. He got a lot of criticism, but he either, Who's laughing he now? either got unjustified criticism or he's turned it around. Right. But either way, things started to correct with the Duchesne trade 
and he started to do things the right way. And now it's starting to pay off with the patience and the way he's going about things. And he says it in the offseason perfectly. Just this off, past offseason, he said it best. We have ideas for what we want to do in free agency. We we have ideas of the players we want to target that we feel will fit best in our lineup, but we are not going to go out and spend money for the sake of spending money. Nope. So the guy is either right for our lineup or we just don't sign anybody. But And that's the way to do it. It it's lets a- the fan base know the direction you're heading. Right, your team now has an identity which they didn't have for a while, and you've got a leader at the helm who is trying to and successfully making the right decisions, even if even if the fan base doesn't understand him right away. A lot of the fan base didn't like Duchesne getting traded, but here we are. It it pays off, and he's doing things the right way. So good for him, and it's starting to trend in the right direction. So now, Colorado, if they continue to handle their contracts the right way, they're built to compete. They are built to compete for at least five years, if not more than that. So good, good for Sackick, good for Bednar, good for Landeskog, who's who's been the captain of this team for (laughs) for seven years. One of the fastest trips from the outhouse to the penthouse. Seven seasons, Landis has been the captain. He's been the quintessential leader on the ice and in the dressing room for this team through the ups of the 13-14 season and the downs of the 48-point season. And he has kept a head on his shoulders and proven why he is the captain. And look at what they let go. Good good for him, good for Bednar, good for for everybody. They let, listen, this is a team that, over a, over a period of a couple of years, let let go Paul Stastny, mm-hmm. Matt Duchesne, Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, those are these are some pillar guys. These are some building block guys that they just simply cut loose and and turned them into Gerard and and Zadorov and some guys and that you can build around. And Byram and Timmins. So, yeah, and listen, you got to have a plan and uh, and good on them. You yeah, unfortunately, whether you're a parent or a coach or a GM or you run a company or whatever it is, you are what your record says you are, pure and simple. It doesn't matter if you're the Maple Leafs and you've got a bunch of pretty, you know, danglers in your lineup that can uh, that can snipe and selly and carry on, all fun and games. But you are what your record says you are, period. And that's why, at the end of it all, Tampa looks good on paper, not so hot a quarter of the way through the season. A lot of teams the same way. That's the only analytic that ultimately matters. We can get into that on another broadcast. Agreed. Well, what are we looking forward to this coming week? I want to talk about next week's show. I want to talk a little bit about the deep, long-lasting, generational relationship between beer and hockey. (laughs) Beer and hockey. It's just, I don't think we can ignore it anymore. They're, They're... forever joined at the hip and i think we need to address it okay well beer a beer and hockey conversation next week so our (laughs) listeners have that to look forward to so eat some pretzels and tune in next week no i'm and every week i say it every week but i'm just looking forward to uh more good hockey action the the direction into uh the world junior tournament here coming in the next month and a half or so um 
personally in our personal lives. Christmas is coming up, so there's that. So there's lots to look forward to, not just this coming week, but in the coming weeks, plural. So a lot to look forward to. Uh, anyways, I want to thank our listeners again. Driving force behind what we do, we can't do this without you, so thank you for the support. Um, Head to Spotify and Apple Podcasts, subscribe, leave a rating and a review, preferably a five-star review, and uh, head to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's War Room the Hockey Podcast, at War Room the Hockey Podcast, and at War Hockey, respectively. Follow us, like us, um, leave comments, um, write in, ask questions you want answered, anything like that. Um, We appreciate the continued support and for your participation in our conversations each week. What he's trying to say for you older listeners is tell your friends. Yes. All that fancy tell friends stuff, and family, what, that, what that means share. is tell everybody you know. So yeah, Tell everybody you know in whatever, what way, in whatever way that you understand and know how to. So, And if you need help, just ask your grandson or, your, or somebody who can... <laughs> right. who can who can coordinate find a the, 10-year-old the technology for you so <laughs> thank you again Brad for joining in the studio always my pleasure always. I look am, forward to it I am Evan Rauer with Warham the Hockey Podcast and I will see you all throughout the hockey community cheers cheers, cheers.